and welcome to John Cook Ministries podcast. I'm John Cook. Welcome back to our continuing study on the pastoral epistles. This is the study on 1st and 2nd Timothy and the book of Titus. We now join in progress part four of our continuing study. This brings us then to 1st Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. So notice he says, For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused. Does that answer the question about meats? Whether clean or unclean? He says, Every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused. This clears up the Old Testament law in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was clean and unclean. In the New Testament, everything is open. This is what God taught Peter in Acts chapter 11, verses 7 through 9. He said, I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. You see, Peter was on the housetop to pray, but he got hungry. So God lets down a sheet out of heaven, guys, clean and unclean animals on it. He says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord. The Lord just gave him a command, and he tells him no. He says, this is a test. I'm not going to eat anything that's unclean. Appetite or no appetite. And God says, don't you call common and unclean what I've cleansed. He does this three times. Of course, he's preparing him to go to a Gentile, which a Jew wouldn't have done in that day. But he's preparing him to go to the Gentiles and preach the gospel. But the underlying message was that now there was no such thing as clean and unclean. Now it's what God cleansed. That's why we should go to God and thank God for the food he gives us and not question it. Basically, it means this. We're not to make diet a doctrine of the gospel because you're adding works to the gospel. If it be received with thanksgiving, he says, then nothing, that's the emphasis, nothing is to be refused. Now, if we can't give God thanks, then we're not to take it. This takes care of questionable things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We're to give thanks to God. Not to anybody else, but to God. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 5 says, it is sanctified, that's he's talking about the, the diet here, the meats. It is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. It's sanctified because God's word says it's sanctified, and prayer on our behalf, thank, giving thanks to God. It's sanctified. It's sanctified in the same sense that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14. In the Old Testament, if a Jew married a Gentile, that was an unclean marriage. And they were to 
separate. Nehemiah shows that. So the question came in the New Testament. Here's a saved person, gets saved, and they're married to a lost person. What do you do? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14 says, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were the children unclean, but now they are holy. Sanctified means they're set apart, they're made clean, they're made holy. So God says, if you as a husband get saved and your wife is not saved, then you as the husband saved sanctifies the wife so that the children are clean. And vice versa, set apart, made clean. By the word of God. Here's the condition. It's because God agrees with it. Not because you agree with it. It's because God says so. By prayer, the Bible says. As Jesus in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 19 commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Jesus, looking up to heaven, blessed the bread before he gave it it out. If I can ask God to bless that I'm about to eat or put into my mouth, then it's all right. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6 says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained as preachers. If we put God's children in remembrance of these things, how do we do that? Well, it's the subject of our teaching and our preaching of the doctrines of God. These are the doctrines of God. This is, much, this is as much the doctrines of God as any other doctrine. The doctrine of salvation. The doctrine of the Trinity. Well, the doctrine of what we can and cannot eat. That's of God. The subject of our preaching and our teaching is to be the doctrines. Instructions in righteousness if you will. These are the things that we're going to face in the last times, which we now live in. We're going to face the seduction of spirits, and we're to, we're to warn our people. We're to warn God's sheep that these things are going to be faced. People coming around teaching doctrines of devils. People coming around Seducing as seducing spirits. How do we do that? Second Timothy four two says we preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. We're giving men what God says, not what we think. Not even what we think God should say. 
And in order to tell men what God says, we need an infallible, verbally inspired, preserved word of God. If we're to preach the word, we've got to have the word. In Psalm 119, verse 140, it says, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. In Psalms chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. God preserves his words so that we have them to preach in this world. Where did he preserve them? I refer you back to the good old King James Bible, where God's words are preserved. They are inspired. They are inerrant. They are the verbally inspired words of God, preserved, pure words. And this is what we're to preach. And if we do that, then he says, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. That's what we are. We're his ministers. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. What is it required in my life? What is required in my life as a minister of God that I be found faithful? A minister in Scripture, is one that is authorized to carry on the business of another person. We're not in business for ourselves. We don't speak for ourselves. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 tells us, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, be ye reconciled to God. In other words, the words that come out of our mouth are to be what God speaks by us. The message we deliver is the Lord's message, not our message. And as a good minister, we must be faithful. Because he says it's required in stewards in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, which we just read, that a man be found faithful. Faithfulness is what God requires of me. Faithfulness is what God requires of you as a young minister of Jesus Christ. What are we to preach? We're to preach the word which sets forth the liberty of the believer. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty is what God has given us. And what are we to do? Well, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, 
Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith, wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't get entangled again with the law of what's unclean and what's clean in our diet. Don't get entangled with those who would tangle you up and trip you up, but live with the liberty that God has given you. But at the same time, here's a warning. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. Take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Be careful that what we allow in our lives doesn't cause weaker Christians to stumble. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. There are those who say we're, li- we're not under law, we're under grace. That means I can do anything I want to do. That means I can lie, cheat, steal, but it doesn't matter because God's already forgiven me of all those things. And that's, uh, that, I am, I'm at liberty. Yeah, well, God didn't say use your liberty to lie, cheat, and steal, which is breaking the word of God. Nor did he say use your liberty to trip up other Christians, but to use it for the Savior. We're to serve one another. The Bible says that we would be, if we, if we live by these things in the liberty wherewith God has made us free, that we'll be nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Whereunto thou hast attained. He said, Timothy, you've already gotten there. Don't back up. Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16 says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, nourished up. This is our diet, the word of God. I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. The Bible talks about as newborn babes in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. We are to desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We're to be nourished up by the milk of the word. And then we're to grow up so we can take the meat of the word. But what a tragedy when we haven't grown up to the point that we can take the, the meat of the word and still are restricted to the milk of the word. Not only are we nourished up, but there's good doctrine. Good doctrine is found in studying the word of God. That's what 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 tells us. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That verse is not found in any other Bible than the King James. Somebody doesn't want us to study. But God tells us to study. Studying's not an easy task. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 12. The wisest man who ever lived said, 
And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books. There is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Study is work. And it wears us out. It wears the flesh out. Hey, this is John Cook again. Thank you for listening to the John Cook Ministries podcast on the pastoral epistles. Before you hit that exit button, how about take some time and leave us a comment or maybe a prayer request or what question do you have that we might be able to answer for you? Let us know how we can help you. And don't forget to subscribe to the John Cook Ministries podcast and you will get the next lesson just as soon as it is released. Well, we'll say goodbye for now. God bless.